Welcome, welcome. Good morning. Thanks for braving. <laughs> Is this the most snow we're going to get? I don't know. Um, we were laughing yesterday about like if the forecast calls for it to start snowing at 7 or 8, it's going to wait until 9.30, 9.45. It'll be a full-on blizzard when we leave at 11.15, I'm sure. But, um, but we're glad that you're with us. And um, I've got Monica here with me. And um, um, yeah, and welcome to those of you at, at home who didn't, uh, didn't brave the weather. Um, or for whatever reason, but uh, we're glad you're with us as well. We're, um, we're still talking in this series, of, uh, we're calling a series With You. Um, it's about our core value of being lovingly relational, um, and, and um, it's, it's one of the things around here that we just, we believe, and it, like in our, in our bones, we believe that the, the mission of the church, the mission of the gospel um, requires that we love one another, that we live in relationship with one another, relationships that are marked by love. And so um, we, we talked um, a couple weeks back, we talked about love being the type of love that the Bible is talking about is not just warm feelings or affection, but it's a sacrificial, it's a, it's a love of the will that, that we choose um, to, to, to love others in ways that, that cost us, that, that, that put them, them ahead of us. The, the Greek word is agape, agape love. Um, and that's the, the word that's used in a normative way in, in the Bible, that we love one another. Yes, and then last week we looked at um, if you want to love others well, you have to be able to receive love first. You can't really do the love one another's of the Bible if you can't just sit at the feet of Jesus. And um, I think we specifically talked about just let him wash your feet and, and be in his presence that way. Yeah, so um, this week we're going to turn our attention to ways that we give love to others. And um, forgive the sports story here real quick, but in my house, we don't, we don't have, I don't live in a football house, okay? Like, I've, I've watched football, I appreciate shame. football. What's that? Such a shame. <laughs> right? <laughs> and I get that. But, but the, the, there was a, a football game on yesterday uh, with an Ohio team playing. Um, and um, I've asked her permission to, to say these things. But um, my, my dear wife, who also not a football fan, in fact, uh, the Bengals were playing yesterday, and, and she said, who <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and she said, she said, who is this team with the T that they're playing? Like, she's, you know, she doesn't. She's just not a football fan, and I've done nothing to, to make her a football fan. But um, with about 20 seconds in the game yesterday, I was in the other room. The football game was still on, and, and from, the, other, from the, the family room, I, um, I, I caught a hand kind of go up over the half wall, and I heard these words, I am a Bengals fan, <laughs> which was a little out of place in our life. But, but, but I think, I think uh, that... that Mr. Joe Burrow might be a threat for my wife's love. Um, <laughs> I, also heard, um, I also heard some really deep analysis of the importance of a good kicking game. Um, and uh, and I, heard, uh, I heard these words, Alexa, set a reminder to watch the Bengals next Sunday at 3. Um, so things may be changing in our house. But, but we, we talk about love in a lot of ways. We use love. We, we use love in some ways kind of flippantly. Um, but today we're going to talk about like practical ways the Bible invites us to love each other, um, and, and it's it's challenging because like Monica, we live in a divisive time. Yes, I don't even know if I want to name him. You know, <laughs> I mean, so much people are divided about these days, and it's not even like politics or religion, it's like these nuances of division, right? Like, you know, people are getting to the nitty gritty of, of their views on everything from guns to COVID protocols to so many things. It's just, it's a heavy time in it, divisiveness. It is, right? Yes, for sure. We, we just seem to like, there seems to be, 
we seem to live at a point in time where we can't divide ourselves enough, right? Mm-hmm. Like, we, we divide along certain lines, and then within those lines, we divide again, and it's not just which camp are you in, it's which tent are you in the camp, and I mean, this is happening all the time. It's, it, it can be tempting for us to think that that's unique for our time, right? But the reality is that um, from all throughout um, the life of the church for the last 2,000 years, there's been division. Division is a tool of the devil. It's a tool of Satan to, to try and, and subvert the mission of the gospel. It's, it's just a reality. And it's something that we need to have our eyes open to. And we actually see it in 1 Peter. Um, we're going to bounce in a couple of scriptures today. We're going to land in, in Luke's gospel in a little bit. But, but just a couple of places. In 1 Peter chapter 4, it says this. It says, The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Now, it says there like, you know, <laughs> um, at the end of all things. We don't want to gloss over that. What do, how do yeah, we understand you know, that? You know, I looked at the verse and I thought, you know, I don't really know when Jesus is coming back. But I get the impression when he does come back, it's, the world's not going to be a pretty place. And sometimes I go, oh, I feel like the end of all things is near sometimes, whether I'm talking about the governments or the planet. Um, so when I read this verse and it says, the end of all things is at hand, and I go, well, what, what does the Bible tell us? we're supposed to do when we feel like the end of things and things is all at hand. And then it goes on. Right? Right. So, so it's like this sort of like, you know, today we look at like choose your own crisis, right? Yeah. Like, you know, like spin the wheel and, and the, what's the crisis of the day? And, and this is what's fascinating to me about this, right? This, Peter, Peter writes this 2,000 years ago and says the end is at hand. Okay? Now, there's different layers to the way that, that end could be used here. But essentially, like, Peter believed himself to be living kind of at the end of, it's the end of, end, end of time. Like, this is, the, this is the end of the story. Okay? And we're still here. But it's fascinating because in the midst of saying, like, the end is here, okay? Be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Like, like keep your mind focused don't get wrapped up and caught up in all of the stuff around for the sake of your prayers, for the sake of your attention with God, your life with God, your communion with God. And then he says in that last verse, like, keep be, loving one love another. Love one another, right? Because love does something. What did, like, it, it covers over a multitude of sins, right? Like, all the crises, all the division, all the stuff that's going on. It's not, it's like the answer isn't, get a bigger gun. Let's, let's get the right summit together. Let's, you If know, we just have a conference if, that, yeah. Yes, if we can just address all these things. I mean, it's crazy. It says, when it feels like the end of all things is near. Love one another. Love one another, right? So, and it covers that love, because love covers over a multitude of sins. Okay? So yeah. t- which talk which is an that. interesting thing, because I thought, well, what does that mean? I mean, I thought sins were covered by what Jesus did on the cross. And I think the scriptures are very clear on that. So what could these scriptures be referring to when it says love covers over a multitude of sins? Um, it's clearly not talking about karma. You know, it's talking to, um, or, you know, if we love each other, we're moving sin. But I do think there are sins when love is involved don't carry the same weight, right? So when you're prone to holding a grudge or in the sin of failing to forgive someone or the sin of jealousy, 
Um, when you choose to say, I'm going to show love toward that person or vice versa, that person showing love toward me, it is a lot harder to hold on to those kinds of sins when love is in the picture. Right? And so we, we like... If we think about these things and we think about the stuff that divides, the, the things that, that push us away from each other, it seems like what Peter's saying here is at the core of those things, the, the, the antidote for those things is, is to, to love each other. Like if you start there, if you start there, it's going to cover over a great deal of, of, of disagreement. It's going to cover over a great deal of, of potential hurt. And it's sort of like on you. It's, it's on you to love your, like one another. Not, not wait for them to do it, but you do it. And we find throughout the scriptures, like love is not, it, it's not like in, in, in just the dusty corners of the scriptures, it's everywhere, right? Yes. We talk Ephesians 4 around here a lot. Um, and, and Ephesians 4 says this. <laughs> Rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ, <laughs> from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. And so we get this, like, this picture of speaking the truth in love. Like, so there's, so we, our, our words are love, like, we're supposed to be loving with our words, but then it goes on to say, like, when we do this, we, when we love one another, when we agape one another, it, it actually builds up the body through our love. Like the body of believers. This is, this is Paul's writing specifically to the church in Ephesus. This is within the context of, of local church loving one another. When we love one another, that's how we get stronger together. And so like not loving each other is incompatible with life in the church. Like we, we, we must love one another. Um, and we need to get better at asking, like, how we love one another. So where do we see this, like, displayed in the scriptures? Yeah, what, no, that's great. How does let's, this work? Let's think about that, Tom. Where do we see um, people loving each other in the scriptures? You know, I think some of the things that um, come to mind for me are just multitude of things. You see people, like, um, taking care of people's physical needs. You know, you see that kind of love. Um, I see there's healing, you know. Um, I see there's teaching. There's, um, you know, what comes to your mind? Yeah, so Jesus himself, like, you know, as the example of love, we've talked around here recently about Jesus. Jesus not only, it's not only Jesus' love that conquers our sin, but it's, it's Jesus' love that provides an example for us in the way that we live. And so we see in Jesus someone who, who pushed into other people's lives, right? Like he moved towards others. Um, we'll, we'll see that some more in, in when, we, when we look at our passage in Luke that we're going to hit here in a second. But, but we also see in Jesus this example of, of, um, of, of loving like, those that it doesn't seem like he ought to. Um, we see a Jesus who sets patterns for us in the ways that he loves. And, and, and when I read the teaching, of, or when I, when I see Jesus' life, and when I read Jesus' uh, teaching, and I, and I see the things that Jesus did, I have this reaction that, that I talked a little bit about last week and want to say more uh, today because I feel like Jesus was always sort of crossing boundaries. Like I read it as like boundary crossing. And I'm, I, like my, I like my boundaries. I like to be like, I like, 
I have a rule, okay? I have a rule. I, I, I have the kind of job where I get, I get unsolicited emails to, like, have a meeting with someone. I'd like to meet with you. When are you free? And I have a rule. I'll, I will meet with you, but you need to, like, one of my boundaries is I need to know what this meeting is about before you show up, right? Like, I, I live in one of those, I just live in an environment nine to five where people feel like they can walk into my office and, you know, vent to me about what they don't like. And so, if I... Which is just part of my job. Yeah. Um, but, but I've built this rule over the years of like one of my boundaries is you don't I will I will not make an appointment unless you, you give me topics of conversation or questions that you want to have answered. Okay. It's just a rule. Okay. But I find that my rule making goes into other areas of my life as well. Right. Like I I I don't want you just stopping at my house. I don't want you coming and doing this. I don't want you just like. I don't want you just like handing me a gift that I. We talked about this somewhat last week. It, it's, it's difficult for me. I then, in turn, we, last week we talked about that brokenness in me and, and inviting other people into those spaces. Here we're going to talk about, I now, I take that and I interpret it for everyone else, right? And I go, no, they, don't, they don't want me in, like, getting in past their boundaries either, assuming that we all have the same boundaries. Right, we don't, but I also go, you know... You're not crazy to say there is some concept in a biblical model to say, we can't just roll into a situation and think, I have the answer here. I know exactly what you need. And I mean, even Jesus, who actually does know what people need, when he, it's, it's interesting in the scriptures, I think there's several examples when he's having an encounter with someone that he has not relationally met yet as in his human form, he asks, do you want to be healed? It's almost like he's asking permission. And I go, oh. and I remember when I first became a believer, I go, of course they want to be healed. Why is the God of the universe asking, like, a question in my mind? And I'm like, that's kind of a dumb question. Doesn't everybody want to be healed? Doesn't everybody want to just go, well, okay, like, let's just get to the healing. But I go, Jesus asks. But then I find it interesting, like we were talking about this earlier, but as he's in relationship with people, you don't see him going to the disciples and going, hey, guys, do you want some permission from, you know, do you want my blessing to tell you how I think you could have maybe handled that situation differently today? He just speaks truth. But I go, you see even Jesus, I think. Um, so there seems yeah. to be this pattern with Jesus. This is what yeah. like, there seems to be this pattern where, where Jesus moving into a new situation, he, he, he asks the permission of the other person to, like almost a phrase that, that, I would like to get better at saying, which is like, how can I love you best? Like, I don't want to assume that the way that I want to be loved is the way that everyone else wants to be loved, because quite frankly, the way I want to be loved is to be left alone, okay? <laughs> That's what I want, and it just on my own. And so it, it's wrong of me to assume that everyone else just wants to be left. If we all just took my approach, we'd be like these, you know people all orbiting our own lives and never touching one another. And, that's and, and I would like to say people who love you, Tom, and are close to you go, and we're not going to let you be alone, right? And they have the Dang blessing them. to, like, push a little harder and, and show up. Right? Yeah. So, okay, so, so, but, so asking permission. Like, that, that's perfect. That ought to yep. be Comfort mic. There we go. <laughs> I think it's on the same. I think it's on the same channel.
channel? Same channel? Yes. Okay, come for Mike. Yay. That's why we have it there. Okay, so, so <laughs> I like, uh, I, I want to be left alone, but, there, but Jesus asks permission, and then it's like from there, once he has permission, there's this development of the relationship over time to where he just sort of says, okay, now I'm, I'm giving you the love that you need, whether you've asked for it or not. Sounds strangely like group life. <laughs> Doesn't it? <laughs> right? It's almost like we've done something around here that's in line with this, you know, to try yeah. and build this. Yes. So, so there's this thing that, that involved in this um, where we, at this point of the conversation, I want to pause because we tend to think about love, um, we tend to think about love in um, soft terms, Okay. And I, I don't want to necessarily engender this. Love is not a gender issue, okay? Like, God is not asking women or men to be loving. But when we think about engendered issues, when we think about gender, we tend to think of love in, as, a, as a feminine exercise, right? That love is soft, that love, that love acquiesces, the things that we sort of bring to gender conversations. However, I don't know that that's exactly, not, I know, that's not what the Scripture is talking about. And when we bring that baggage to the table on this, I think we're actually missing some of the, the more difficult things with love. Yeah, for sure. I go, love is, um, it is hard work. And, you know, um, coming into a situation and saying, I'm going to, you know, power up in this situation. And, you know, I, the most loving thing I can do right now is just to put my foot down. I go, that is such a messed up view of love. Though I will say, you know, we also, in our culture, have words like tough love, right? And sometimes people think the word tough love is a bad thing, but I go, love is so much bigger than just, you said, we have this association as a gentle love or this or that, but I go, love is a pretty big word. It comes in a lot of forms. And, you know, I think when we're in a church setting, I think we're talking about what is the wisdom of going, inviting God into those spaces and going, teach us how to love others. Teach us what we need in the situation. Teach us if we need to learn to speak truth. We just need to be quiet. Um, oh, is our comfort mic not working? <laughs> okay. It just, it just said goodbye. So. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's done. Okay. All right. So, so we, uh, the, <laughs> we, we go down this, like, this line. We tend to like, even take love and divide it into these categories. Um, and, and, and we can sometimes, like, willingly, consciously choose to not be loving because we believe that love isn't tough. Or it's or weak. It's weak. Mm -hmm. That, that love, is, love is not the way to get things done. Love, love is great, but it doesn't accomplish anything. It's not, it's not how the work gets done by loving others. And yet that's the very thing that the scriptures are telling us is that the, the body of Christ, the church, it's built up in love. Love is the way that we get things done. It's not that we set love aside so we can get to the, the harder work culturally or the harder work in, 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 our, in our systems of, of, of church, in our systems of, of our world. And it's, it's that love is the mechanism by which the work of God gets done. And, and I think it's important that we see it in practice. And so there's this story in Luke chapter 19, okay? In Luke chapter 19. And it's kind of a common story. We have, like, kids' songs about this oh, story yes. and whatnot. Um, and so I'm just going to read through Luke 19, verses 1 through 10, okay? 
This is the story of, of Jesus and Zacchaeus. And, um, and we, as we look at this and we want to we ask ourselves certain questions about what, is it, what does it mean that Jesus was loving here and what did it mean for Zacchaeus to receive that love? So, so Luke chapter 19, it says, he, he here being Jesus, he entered Jericho and was passing through. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and he was rich. We're going to find out some things about Zacchaeus. But what was it? he was a chief tax collector. So um, in that day and age, I mean, one, that probably means he's working for the Romans, and the Romans are detested, and it's a political power. It's the, it's the people you go, oh, did they really just come into town and take over? And this is gross. Like Zacchaeus is the, the, the guy who's fraternizing with the enemy, basically. So um, right? that says and, and, a lot right and there. And he was rich. He was apparently good at it, like, right? Like, he wasn't just... He wasn't just like taking. He wasn't probably a- the necessarily the honest tax collector. Is like, how much do you really owe here? Okay, great. Like, you know, maybe he's if he's getting a lot of money in his taxes. I'm, I'm sure he's not a well liked man. Plenty of reason to dislike him already. Yes. Okay. Verse three. <laughs> There's nothing. Sorry. And and he was seeking to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd, he could not see. He could not because he was small in stature, or as another translation says, he was a wee little man. Right. Like. Um, <laughs> So, so, so here's this guy, Zacchaeus, and here's what we, we know that there are certain patterns in his life where, reading between the lines, he's profiting off of the, the empire that's reigning over his people, over his land. But we also find out that he's small in stature. I'll let right. you speak. To, no? Okay. Well, well I'm short, alone. but I'm a girl, so I, you know, I mean, it's hard to be short sometimes. I'm not going to lie, but I have always... I mean, okay, not that, you know, bring up the gender thing again. When you're short and you're a girl, you just go to the grocery store and you go, hey, could someone help me? But, yeah, the stereotypes oftentimes are, it's hard. Like, the, the kids who were short in grade school who were boys, they kind of, people made fun of them. They oh, what? They made fun of them. Were you short, Tom? I was always average height. Average. Average is good. But I go, poor like Zacchaeus. Everywhere else in life, just Poor Zacchaeus. Average. He probably grew up, like, you know, being the kid who's, like, we don't well, need we, to go any deeper into know. psychology, right? Okay. We don't need to go Zacchaeus into it, has some stuff. He's some stuff. Okay, verse Let's four. assume that. <laughs> so he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to him, Jesus, for he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. Okay, now we just yeah. talked about Jesus and boundaries. <laughs> but one of the other things about Jesus is that sometimes he just says, I'm gonna come I'm stay at your, your house, house today. <laughs> right? All right, keep reading. Uh, verse 6, yeah, so he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all grumbled. He has gone in to the guest of a man who is a sinner. If we didn't know Zacchaeus' status in the area, we do now, okay? Everyone knew him as a sinner. Verse 8, and Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the, the half of my goods I give to the poor, and if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house. Since he also is a son of Abraham, for the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. Okay? So here we get, a, we get a, a, a hands-on view of Jesus in a situation practicing some of the things that we're talking about. So, Monica, help us understand just some initial thoughts. Well, initial thoughts, I think, you know, how do we see Zacchaeus, right? Like, um, He's the guy that nobody wants to love. He's the guy that it's kind of difficult to love at first, right? Um, 
it's the guy that everybody goes, seriously, Zacchaeus, like you're blocking my view. Like, why do you, why, why do you even get to be here? Right? So, so, so we find with Zacchaeus this example of someone along the way that, that I would choose not to be, to have in my life. He's a crook, right? He's, he's, he's a crook, crook to the level that everyone around knows he's a crook. I don't want him in my life. I don't want him in my circle. And I, quite frankly, I don't want to love him. Like, he's, he's <laughs> choose, your, choose your, like, way of talking about, about the greedy who prey upon the, those in, in their world. Like, that's, that's him, okay? Um, and here's the thing, too. Like, we, we have the, the children's song about Zacchaeus, and it's, so we may be familiar with the story, but, but Zacchaeus wasn't a child. No, he's a grown man. He's a grown man. Yes. <laughs> he's a grown man. And, and, and so he, he's difficult to love. Now, who, when we think Zacchaeus, who might we be talking about in our world? Yeah, it's a great question. You know, and I think if I think um, trying to take into the cultural concept of the day and not you know, necessarily read too much into it, but I think there are some fair conclusions we can draw. I go, so we know Zacchaeus is a believer or a fellow Jewish person. And so he's someone that we go, might be seen as a little bit of the enemy, like you've, you've taken a side with somebody that you shouldn't have. So it's a guy that I'm sure his community did not see eye to eye with him. He's seen as someone who takes advantage of others. Um, oh, this is one that I can relate to. Zacchaeus should know better. He should know better than to, to live the life he's living because he's one of us. He's grown up knowing what he should do, and he's not doing it. And that's the person, I'll just be straightforward and say, I find so hard to agape love, right? Like, when I look around and go, like, you had every opportunity. You knew. You were trained right. There were times in your past where you did the right thing, and now you are just willfully choosing to betray, or you're willfully choosing this life. You know what? I'm going to love you by just letting you deal with the consequences of your own choices. Win-win. I get left alone. <laughs> you, get to, you get to live the natural consequences, right? But it's strange. That's not what we see Jesus do. No. It's not what we see Jesus do. I think it's important for us in this to remember something that's critical here. We, we can take a story like this, and we can make it about... Just the, the kindness. We can make it about the kind, but, but the point of the story is that Zacchaeus, like, changed his life, okay? The point of the story is that Zacchaeus came into contact with Jesus, and that contact with Jesus brought about change in Zacchaeus. That's the, the point. The point, it's it's a nice story in the sense of, like, it has this happy ending. Zacchaeus does the right thing, okay? But it wasn't, like, you know, it wasn't doing the right thing that made Zacchaeus right. It was coming into contact with Jesus that made Zacchaeus right, okay? Now, here's the, yeah, go. Well, I mean, isn't that all of our stories? <laughs> I mean, aren't we all Zacchaeus? Isn't there a time in our life that we were selfish people who... Chose to do selfish things, and then Jesus said, "Coming to your house today. I'm seeking you out today." Right, 
Isn't, isn't that the message of the Zacchaeus story, right? The, the really, at its, at its core, is that I'm, I'm Zacchaeus, right? I'm the unlovable. I'm the traitor. I, I'm the one. And it's Jesus who stepped into my world and said, I'm going to dwell with you. Right? I'm going to live with you. And so when it comes to us and the story of Zacchaeus, on one hand, so we said Jesus gives us the same victory over our sin that he gave to Zacchaeus, but he also gives us an example, right? Because he, he, he shows us that if I too was once Zacchaeus, then the Zacchaeuses that I see in my world, they're not beyond God's love and God's grace, and so they by no means can be beyond mine. The people that, that I find I don't want to be around, the people that I find that I just, I just can't see eye to eye with them, I don't want to be in the same room with them, I'm directed to love them. You know what I love about this story, too? You know, we um, talk a lot about hospitality here and inviting people into our spaces and creating environments where people feel like they can come into. You know, I hope those, those front doors out there are some of those places where people feel like they can walk in and feel welcome here. What I love about this story, and I mean, culturally, yes, like, it's not crazy that Jesus invited himself to Zacchaeus' house. But I love that Jesus say, I'm going to your territory. I'm going to your home today to love on you. And um, what does that mean for us, you know, first century aside? To not say, hey, all of you out there that I don't really like, you, you can come to my house. I can invite you over. But to say, I'll hang out in a place that I may not love, that the neighbors might be going, you went to whose house? Well, I went to Zacchaeus's house. I go, I just love that, you know, to say, if we're going to love people sometimes, um, we're willing to go into their space and take the love of Christ. Yeah, because it's really tempting, right? It's really tempting to keep my distance. It's really tempting to say that the, 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 the love, it, to set limits on the love that I'm going to give to the Zacchaeuses in my life. I'm going to, I'll meet you at the fence. I'll, I'm going to draw this line in the sand, and that's where we'll meet, Okay. And, and yet Jesus with Zacchaeus sort of wipes out the line and says, wherever you are is where I'm going to go to, okay? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to head to your place. And that becomes the model. That becomes the model. And so if we're serious about what we say we believe, if we're serious about, about agape love being the center of of our identity and who we are. It means that we, we not only find ways to, to, to have sort of safe spaces, but we actually move into other people's lives to meet them where they are in ways that may be unsafe for us, uncomfortable for us. That we go there without the concern about what, what we'll, we'll, others will think of us, about about how we're going to be perceived for being with them. And that's challenging. That's, that's hard. That's not soft, right? Um, look, this is, the, this is the kind of love that overcomes a multitude of sins, a multitude of challenges. 
It's a love that, that goes, a love that penetrates. And it has yeah. implications for the way we do, in, in conclusion, like we're, we're, we believe things around here. And one of the things we believe in is our, our small cell home groups. Like we do them the way we do them for a reason. Yeah, and I would hope that as we invite people in those spaces or people who aren't connected in a group yet, that you don't feel like you have to clean yourself up to show up to group. Oh, you know, I'll go to group when I get this part of my life together. Um, because that is not the model we just saw. We don't see that Jesus said, hey, Zacchaeus, I'm going to come to your house today. But, you know, go ahead and get your act together. And could you stop being a tax collector? We see Jesus shows up, loves on Zacchaeus. And I'm going to assume when Zacchaeus, we can see from the scriptures, had a change of heart. It is because the love of Christ transformed him. And... Uh, you know, that's a great reminder to me. You know, we get to show up in places before we've got our act together, before we've made all these changes. And um, I think that's the model God has given us time and time again in the scriptures. And we can't wait for others to change before we go to them. Right. Right? We can't say, when you stop being so belligerent about this or when you stop acting in that way, then I'll go. Because that's conditional love. And right? that is not the model God That's not given what Jesus us. did. Jesus, Jesus pulled Zacchaeus from the tree and said, I'm going to your house without any precondition on Zacchaeus. He just went and did. That's the model. That's what we're talking about. When we say lovingly relational, these are the kind, this is the kind of life that we're talking about. Okay. Next week, we're going to see some examples. Some of you it's are going to It's going to be such an awesome morning. Okay. Some of you are going to talk to us about ways you've experienced this and lived this. And, um, and so let me pray for us today, and uh, I think we've got one more uh, song to close out. God, we're, um, we, cannot, we cannot talk about love without thanking you for loving us. And thank you for, um, for calling me out of my tree, for, um, for asking me um, to be, to be <laughs> just with you for invading my home. Um, God, we're, um, we're thankful for, for you, but we're also thankful for one another, that, that you've given us a, a place to love one another, a place to experience your love, to share your love. And God, we want to live it as much as we say we believe it. And so we ask for your help and spirit, come, come alongside and help us in our weakness. And um, we just, we praise you and we thank you. And uh, we, we give all of this, all of our lives to you. In Christ's name we pray, amen.